And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Sophia Dimas, author, architect, and mental health therapist who created a program designed to help society's most at-risk women. Today, we'll be talking about coincidences and miracles from her book, The Divine Language of Coincidence. Sophia, thanks for joining me and welcome. Thank you for inviting me. So how did you get interested in coincidences in the first place? It happened uh, when I was uh, 19 years old. I had two issues, like I was an angst about two issues. And of course, like almost every other 19-year-old, you know, entering adulthood. And I, I felt like there was no solution to these two issues. And one was, I was kind of going along with my mother's uh, philosophy that you should be a virgin until you get married, that just wasn't kind of working for me anymore. And the other one was, every so often, there would be someone who didn't like me, didn't know me, but I would meet them, and they would not like me. And I just couldn't understand because I thought I was a very nice person, but these people just I somehow got turned off. And in a period of four months, upon meeting a man, I was 19, he was 27, and a dream. In the span of four months, my issues were solved. And it it wasn't lost on me. It was at that age, I just couldn't believe that what the series of coincidences that happened um, had transformed me. I was a different person. I grew up. And that started um, making me pay attention. And then another coincidence would happen. And I, I realized that if I took action, there would be some kind of a transformation or a, a change of perception. And according to A Course in Miracles, for those who know about it, that is a definition of a miracle, is a change of perception, just a change of mind for the better. So that's what precipitated the whole thing. And then it just kind of happened throughout my life. Where it was an avalanche of coincidences that turned into what I would consider uh, miracles, which one of my definitions is getting exactly what you need at just the right time. What was the pivotal coincidence that you recognized that made people start liking you? Well, it was the dream. It was in the dream, which was... A vivid, absolutely vivid dream where I start out in a wedding dress on stage with no groom. And this is all in the book. And then at the end of the dream, uh, you know, there's people are coming by me, which I perceive to be the reception line. And they're coming by me and most people were not even looking at me. They just 
continued. And some people just turned to look at me, said nothing but continued. And only two people, my best friend and a uh, trusted friend, family friend, smiled at me. And I look down and I'm wearing the wedding dress, but I'm now on, in a coffin. And I realized that these people were paying their respects, their last respects. And so what motivated me is I woke up in the middle of the night and, you know, I had all these friends, but this man who was working on his universal theory and his PhD, this is where I needed to go at 1.30 in the morning. And I went over to his house. I knew that he would be able to help me. And I was freaked out. I thought that, you know, this was a portent of my imminent death. Like I'd be, you know, hit by a truck or something. And it was the most amazing thing. Um, he said to me, oh, this has nothing to do with physical death. What this is saying to you is that um, that things that no longer work for you are dead, making room for things that will work for you. And then he pulls out these poems that he had written about me and about my, my situation that were just mind-blowing. And um, so that was not that night, but that he was my first sexual experience that was magic beyond. So all of this was churning, you know, emotion churning. So it was a, a transformation. And that that's when I went, okay, you know, making me think back, well, what other things happened that, you know, maybe I didn't take action, but I took action. I went, no, I'm going, I'm going to this man. I just knew instinctually that he had something to say to me. Do you think all coincidences are of divine origin? I don't know that. I really don't. But I believe that our universe, um, divine intelligence, wants us to be happy and, and for us to succeed. So what I have, I'm convinced of is that this all-knowing universe that knows better what's best for us than we do puts these coincidences to egg us on and the key. And this is when I decided to write the book, when I discovered that it was the taking action, that once you take action on the coincidence, then you can it can um, be transformed into a miracle. But if you don't, then it's just merely remains a coincidence. How do we recognize if a coincidence is meaningful or of divine origin in your viewpoint? Well, that is one and the same to me. Meaningful and divine origins to me the same. Um, no, I mean, you know, I could be thinking of the word uh, blurry and all of a sudden somebody on the in the radio says the word blurry and I'm like, oh, that's weird. But not enough to make me take any action on this, you know, unless another down the, in the same day, 
I get some email that has blurry on the on the uh, subject line, then it's like, okay, let's pay attention. What does blurry mean? You know, but I I think you just know that it's like, oh, you know, you know, I was thinking of Joe. I haven't thought of Joe for 20 years. And then there's an article in the paper about Joe, and it's like, oh, I've got to connect with Joe, you know, things that make you uh they give you a little kick, you know. So I think you're saying that when you use the word divine, it's really could be interchanged with just from the universe. The universe, uh, divine intelligence, God. Actually, I use the word God a lot. Um, however, I have discovered that, well, you know, when you talk to people about politics or religion, what you have to do is get to know where they are and, and start there. Okay. And then they'll hear you. If you start going on about God and divine intelligence, you start losing people. But to me, it's all interchanged. And what's very interesting to me was that, you know, my um, uh, advanced reader copies went out to a hundred people. And uh, in my book proposal, the, they wanted to know who your target audience is and who is not your target audience. So who was not my target audience, I chose to be the evangelicals and the atheists. Well, I don't know any evangelicals, but I know a slew of atheists. So I chose 10 atheists to read the book and everybody who, who was on my launching had to do a little uh, questionnaire. Well, I was shocked because all 10 atheists loved the book. All 10 said they would give it to another atheist. But in so many words, all of the atheists told me that these were not miracles. These were the manifestations of my all-powerful mind that somehow, you know, created these opportunities, external mind you, and then I seized on them, and my achievements are my own, and I have no business crediting God, which I think is weirder than God, because, you know, I have my my uh, my philosophy on manifest, manifesting, and um, I just think that that would be very strange. Some people will say there are no coincidences. What is your viewpoint on that? Well, that's just another way of saying that things are meant to be. So, you know, it's all lingo, okay? And in my book, I make a real point of that about when you're starting to talk about matters ethereal, there's not enough words in our vocabulary to, um, you know, express that. So I, I'd like to just give one example. Um, I was at a quantum biology conference because when I first started writing the book, I felt this urge to study, to study quantum mechanics because even though my faith is unshakable, I was curious to know how these paranormal, let's call them events, can happen in our physical world. So I was in this conference and 
this woman gets up and talks about how her dog was cured of cancer because of uh, quantum biology. And she goes on and on about consciousness and, and these energy fields. So afterwards, I, I said to her, you know, your, your dog had a miracle. Your dog was cured by a miracle. And I said, and yet you didn't even say the word God once. And she says to me, I wouldn't touch the word God with a 10-foot pole. And I said, why not? And she goes, because God is out there somewhere. But consciousness is everywhere. I said, you just defined my definition of God. And now she's my Facebook friend. This has probably happened to you and many people, but you'll think of somebody and then the next day they'll call you on the phone. How do you explain that? Okay. Can I give you um, a sample of one of my so-called miracles? Sure. Well, you know what? Let's do this because you just mentioned miracles. And before we go there, can you tell us your definition of a miracle and how that is different from a coincidence? Okay. So a coincidence is a nudge. It's It's like makes you go, oh, wow, wow, you know? But by taking action, um, you can have a miracle, which is getting exactly what you need at just the right time. So I maintain that the universe knows much better than us what's what's the best for us. That's why I have a trouble with the word manifest, because manifest is when you have a desire and you focus on your desire, you meditate on your desire. And then you get your desire, which I believe. However, we don't know if this desire is good for us or not. So in the book, um, I talk about three things I did not want because we have free will, unfortunately. So I did not want to get married. I did not want children. I wanted to focus on my careers and absolutely had no interest in writing a book. So These were not desires, right? However, the universe, knowing better than me what was right for me, even though I was uh, uh, very successful uh, at anti-marriage until the age of 45, I did get married. Um, My husband and I adopted a 19-year-old beautiful um, homeless girl 11 years ago. She's now living with her architect uh, husband in Greece, working on her third master's. Uh, and 15 years ago, a medium told me, world-class medium told me I was going to write a book. And I wouldn't have any of it. And I said to her, look, it's not in the cards, okay? I said, I have nothing to write about. And B... I'm a people person. I'm not going to be sequestered somewhere and write a book. So (laughs) that's not in the cards. And she just very calmly said to me, word for word, spirit says when she's ready, there are many spirits here to help her and many hands on earth. And that's how it went down. So here I am. I have no desire to manifest any of this stuff, but the universe slid it in, 
somehow my mind was cracked open just a bit to say, okay, step by step. And these three things that I did not want have brought me sublime happiness. So how do you explain that? A lot of times I talk to near-death experiencers and they come back because they have not fulfilled their mission and they don't know what their purpose is. And this to me kind of goes along in line with that because maybe, you know, as you say, the coincidences are nudges from the universe to help them get them on the right path. Yes. Do you believe opportunities come available to us all the time? kind of like coincidences, and it's up to us to take advantage of them? Yes, absolutely. And and um, and the reason, once I, I, was, I saw the key, I realized that the key was the taking action, and that all of these co- coincidences and miracles happened to me, and that I'm not a guru, I'm not a saint by any means, I'm just an ordinary person. I was absolutely convinced that it just couldn't just happen to me. So even though the book uh, refrains from trying to convince someone of my beliefs, this is what worked for me. And 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 there were so many um, coincidences and these paranormal um, uh, occurrences that I couldn't cram them into one book. So I plucked the ones that had to do with communication with loved ones uh, that had made their transition or around death. And that is uh, being currently published, which is due out in the um, in the spring. So these so therefore, I just had to share with people that, you know, if you just attune yourself, because I feel that the universe uh, communicates with us through these coincidences, but also through intuition. So it, it's just like a like a, a snowball. You know, the more you listen to your intuition and the results are positive, the more you trust your intuition, the more you hone your intuition, the more your intuition talks to you. So within intuition, and these external um, coincidences, um, you you get exactly what you need. And and I I actually have three levels of uh, spiritual growth in in the book that I define. And so the first one, because this will maybe answer some of the questions. The first level, there's many people in the first level, and that is from the perspective of hope. Okay, so um, your your uh, no wish. No, the first one is wishing. Okay, you're you're in a state of wishing. So you keep wishing for what you want, and the universe starts putting these coincidences in front of you, and you're like, ah, uh, what a coincidence! Just yeah, no action. Wishing, wishing, wishing. Another coincidence. Push it aside. And so you're not um, taking action. So so you're not going to really get this desire. The second um, phase is 
from the perspective of hope. So now you get it. Okay, so the coincidence happens. I'm going to take action and hope I get what I want. The third one is from the perspective of faith. So now, now you're completely free, free of worry. You don't care if, if, the, if it comes and it's positive, yay. If it's an obstacle, keeps me from harm, keeps me from danger. And, and there's some, some really amazing things that um, I write about, experiences that if I hadn't had those obstacles, I would have been with the wrong man. I would have been dead. So it, it's, it's, uh, I'm free. I, I'm free. I don't worry about anything. It's whatever happens, happens. So again, there's no such thing as coincidences, but we have to recognize that there are coincidences. It's just what that phrase just means that um, it's, it's um, coincidence is bringing about what is meant to be. What are the obstacles to taking action? Lack of trust, fear, or something else? Nope, you, you said it. You, you said it. It's um, fear of failure, fear of, of uh, that, oh, uh, this can't be sort of um, pushing any kind of um, like, thinking, oh, this is too woo-woo, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think fear is our biggest enemy. You know, I think fear. At this point in your life, when any coincidence arises, do you take action? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this just happened the other day. I mean, just, uh, and by now, if somebody says, you've got to read this book, and then I kind of push it aside, you know, and then I get slapped in the face again about the same book, you know, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, uh, risk it. I'm taking action, and I'm going to read that book, and that book is exactly what I needed to read. Do you believe in luck? That's another term for getting what you want or having the universe provide you with what you need and you're not ready to say that it's divine intelligence so you simply say it's luck so it's kind of like dismissing a coincidence perhaps yes it's it it, it just can't be anything but luck i mean it just can't be I mean, look, look at all these atheists. I mean, oh, and and they all believe these things happen to me. So that brings me to believe that like that woman who didn't want to touch God, the word God with a 10-foot pole, it's, it's the language. It's not the belief system. Those people believe that all these things happen to me. It just has nothing to do with God or divine intelligence. So... It's, it's a, a lot has to do with language. Can you give us an example of one of your craziest coincidences? So according to A Course in Miracles, um, there's not a big coincidence or a little coincidence, okay? So I've had 
um, spontaneous healing. Okay, some people will say, okay, that's a miracle. So what I will give you are two examples that are what some people would consider as little coincidences. But I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you two examples and it had to do with um, around my wedding, okay? And um, I would love to know who thinks uh, which one is stranger, but these two little coincidences, okay? So one. So um, Frank and I decided we were going to get married on 4th of July, and the wedding was 4th of October. That's three months, which now it's like, you know, people plan for a wedding for three years, you know? And we had the most beautiful, outstanding wedding that people still talk about. So um, I call my friend Anne. And a man answers that's not her husband. So I'm like, um, hello, is Anne there? And it's like, Sophia, it's me. It's Jerry. You just called me. And I'm like, Jerry? And because this man has an accent, uh, but he recognized my voice, which for the life of me, I can't believe. And I'm like, but I did. He says, you called me. And I said, uh, he says, look, I, I'm really late for a meeting. Can I call you back later? I'm, I just got out of the shower. And I said, Jerry, you have to call me back. Promise me you'll call me back. Now, see, that's taking action. Promise me you'll call me back. So I know this guy just socially. Okay. I, now, I live in Philadelphia. I'm dialing my friend's number. And I get somebody else that I know. Okay. So he calls me back. I said, Jerry, I wasn't calling you. Can you give me your number? And the number was the same except for the last digit. Well, it just happens that Jerry at that, uh, for a short period of time, owned the Barclay Hotel on Rittenhouse Square, which is this grand old hotel that is now... Uh, condos and and because of this coincidence I, because Frank and I had not been able to find a venue for the wedding I mean we'd been looking I mean three months everything's taken and we had just been called by the Mummer Museum that there was a cancellation it was expensive and uh, then you know they have uh, the Mummer Museum is all these um, medical weirdo things that they show, like the soap lady who died. With I mean, it's just bizarre. So for two hundred and fifty um, extra dollars, you can have your guests come and look at all these bizarre medical weirdness. So, but we had to consider it, and because of this phone call, Jerry gave us the ballroom at the Barclay for free. And and the presidential suite where uh, President John Kennedy and Jackie stayed for two nights. Okay, so that's one thing that by acting on a coincidence, I got exactly what I wanted. It beyond it was so beautiful. Okay, second one. Um, now this was during the, uh, before we had decided to get married. It was winter. And I, uh, I don't like carrying a bag, so I put things in my pockets. And so 
I get a call. This is when I, I was running my um, dress designing business. That was my second career. And this woman calls and says, um, is this Sophia Demas? And I said, yes. And she says, well, I found your driver's license in Rittenhouse Square. And it turns out that she lives just a couple blocks away. And where can she give it to me? And I said, just slide it through my, my slot. Thank you so much. So I get a note and she, you know, and how much she loves Oregon. I'm from Oregon and she and her boyfriend go to Oregon every year. And, and great. I get my driver's license. Two months later, I get a call and I pick it up and it's the same woman. And she says, uh, hi, this is um, Lisa. And I know this is going to sound strange, but I just found your ATM card in the ATM machine. Turns out that I used to go to uh, an ATM, I would go to an ATM machine that uh, spits your card out, okay? But this one didn't. So you get this, would you like another transaction? So the next person can say, yes, I want to clear out your bank account. But it was Lisa Marie. And she gets this card and she said she was shocked to see my name. So I said, she goes, should I just put it in the slot? I said, no, come to my studio. I We have to meet, taking action. We have to meet. So here she comes, this beautiful young blonde pixie darling girl. And I had some uh, handmade soap from Oregon to give her. And um, she gave me my ATM card, okay? So uh, just before the wedding, I'm walking, she's jogging the other way. We, hi, and um, let's have coffee. Well, we sit down to have coffee and it turns out, well, I knew that she was a, um, a violinist, like virtuoso violinist. And we were trying to figure out the music for the church. Like, I guess it was gonna be organ music because you know we didn't have time to you know, do anything else. And by the end of our coffee, she, she, uh, I told her that my favorite concierto was Concierto de Aranjuez. So do you play this? She goes, of course I play that. I love it. And she says, I would like to play it for, for you at your wedding. And she got a classical guitarist. This is by the Rodrigo brothers. She got the guitarist from the four-star restaurant in Philadelphia, Lebec Fenn, to accompany her. And, and I walked down the aisle to my favorite concerto because this woman found two cards. So there's two examples. Those are amazing. <laughs> They're true. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit more about intuition and faith, having a hand in experiencing miracles and coincidences? Well, um, I think experience is what really bakes it in. You know, it's like, I don't think you can, I don't know where people get their faith. You know, um, I grew up in, with, with a very religious mother who talked about little Jesus and the little Virgin Mary and they're our friends and, and made it very, um, 
communicable, you know. But then I kind of went away with it. And when I was in college, I remember my first philosophy class, which was in ethics. And I thought, wait a second, you don't have to believe in Jesus to be a good person. Like, you know, Karl Marx had something going there, you know, about he was really talking very much like what Jesus talked about, about everybody being equal and all this. But I came back into real faith, not what I was taught, but by experience. So I think that uh, once you make room for the possibility that uh, we're all one with the universe, um, one with universe God, and that uh, we interrelate uh, then there's a a lifting of, of I don't know how to, to say it. It's a, a lifting of fear of, you know, just ex- there's an acceptance that just frees you. How long do you think it took you to get to that level of faith in the coincidences? A long long time because I would go through those you know those phases that I the three phases and and then I would I was on the second phase of yes okay it's a coincidence and now I'm hoping it's gonna you know something will happen that I need and then I would go up to doesn't matter it's whatever comes my way is for my my for what is uh, most um, essential for me. But then I would go back because I'm human. But now I have no trouble being in that space of complete faith. No. Um, I would say that I would say one of the uh, may I do one more um, example of coincidence? Sure. Okay, I would say one of I would say big coincidence was um, my relationship with my husband. Okay. So uh, I, I meet this guy. I'm like, okay, you know, cause I don't want to come back. I don't want to come back for another lifetime. And I had problems with uh, commitment issues, you know, like I didn't want to get married didn't want to like commit And I thought, no, you know, I don't want to come back and deal with this issue again and again. So this guy's great. So I'm going to, I'm going to commit to this guy. Well, uh, within six months of knowing him, I found out that he was a major rager, like a rager. Like I would like some accidentally cross my eye. And he was like, you did that to belittle me. And and he would go off in a rage. and I'm like, after a while, I was like, you know what? Bye-bye. Because I could. I could go. Bye-bye. Well, three, with the, so I moved out. I moved in with a friend for six months. Within two months, three spectacularly phenomenal experience, uh, coincidences happened. I'm going to, and I'd like to talk about the third one. Okay. 
The first two are exceptional, exceptional. But okay, but the third one was exceptional as well. So um, at this point, I had decided because of the first two, we, I was disarmed. Okay, I had been disarmed and we had been seeing each other again and things were rolling along very well. And now I was supposed to go to Maui to be the matron of honor of my best friend uh, for her wedding, which was the third time I was her matron of honor. Okay, so it was like, okay, I wanted Frank to come with me, but he had sabotaged so many um, romantic getaways. I had this fear thing going. And then I thought, no, okay, you have to decide. If he comes with you, no fear. You can always leave him again. All right. So I said, okay, so I had him come with me. So cab, the cab comes to take us to the airport. I'm in the cab very early in the morning. And I went, oh, I need reading material. 14-hour flight to Hawaii from Philadelphia. So I run up back in the house. And there's seven books that I've started that were in one place that I hadn't finished. So I just grabbed and I go back in the taxi and I'm deeply disappointed because it's not the novel. This is this one is called Endless Energy. And I'm like, ah, OK, I mean, not beach reading. So I'm on the plane and I'm re you know, reading this book and I'm like, wow, I mean, she's talking this woman is talking about she's a kinesiologist and talking about this energy and about this uh prayer works like i kept going to the back of the book and there's a list of you know uh notes about you know uh articles on how prayer works and i'm going back and forth and then i go back and and she gives these readings these energy readings that sounded fantastical so I'm in the back of the book, and there's her name, Deborah Green, and she's in Maui, Hawaii. And where am I going? I could be going, what, 360 degrees? But where am I, where am I headed to? Maui. Not only that, but the address was Kihei Road, where our condo was. So we um, had a layover in L.A. Now, what am I going to do? I have to take action, okay? So I contact her and tell her what just happened. And I said, is there any time during these three days that you could give us a reading? And she, gave, she you know, told me two times. I said, I'll get back to you. And I went to Frank. Now, this woo-woo stuff at that point, Frank, it was like Chinese, okay? So I said, Frank, look, Maui, he a road. If you agree to a reading, it'll be your Christmas present. And he said, well, it's meant to be. A miracle. So I call her up. I go, yes. So we go to our reading. I went first because I wanted to know what we're in store for. It was two hours each. And I thought, oh, I'm taking the car because he's going to flee. Okay, so I do my thing. It, it was incredible. Okay, incredible. Um, I mean, she pinpointed through muscle testing 
a trauma that I had when I was six and a half years old. So it's his turn. I take the car. I leave for two hours. I come back. No Frank. Ten more minutes. No Frank. Ten more minutes. No Frank. And then all of a sudden, Frank and Deborah come out. And Frank is blinking wildly. Like, like he'd just come out from under a rock, just blinking wildly. And they hug. And we leave. And I said, Frank, um, how was it? And he said, there's something to this. I said, well, well tell me. He goes, I, I can't. He was processing. So we didn't talk about it. Three days later, in bed, he tells me everything I told him as to what caused his rages. But she confirmed me. So now it's valid, you know. And that was in 2009. And there hasn't been one episode since. I'm married to my dream companion. So how, how does that happen? It's amazing. You mentioned A Course in Miracles a couple times. How has that impacted your life? Well, okay, you know, I told you that there were three amazing coincidences that led me to getting back with Frank. That's, well, The Course in Miracles is one of those coincidences which I'm not going to talk about. Um, so that had an impact on that relationship. But I there's a, I write a whole chapter on The Course in Miracles and how I tripped on it. For two and a half years, I was slapped from every which way to read this book. And I absolutely refused. It looked too much like the Bible. And there was no way I was going to, you know, read, you know, a thousand, a thousand pages or, or whatever, these thin pages with little numbers at the paragraphs. No way. But finally, I literally tripped on this book and, um, and one of the reasons I resisted was that there's no author that the book is channeled and it's Christ-based. but. Uh, at the beginning, I actually went to a meeting where 11 Jewish women were studying The Course in Miracles, which is Christ-based, talking about, literally, talking about taking the hand of Christ. And I'm like, I come back and I go, Frank, this is the weirdest thing. He said, these 11 Jewish women were talking about taking the hand of Christ. And he goes, well, what made you think they were all Jewish? And I said, well, because they can't make it next month because it's Rosh Hashanah. Well, there you go. And it, um, it's, a, it's not an easy read, but it is, it is um, what I consider to be the truth. It has impacted my life on, on many, many ways many occasions we've talked about it enough i guess it's a coincidence that i should get it <laughs> i mean and i meant talking about it on the podcast now wait have have you ever considered it before 
No, I haven't. And to tell you honestly, I thought The Course in Miracles was the book by, I think her name's like Marianne Williams. Williamson. Oh, Williamson. Oh, I, no, I, she, I, I think she just has an interpretation. I didn't know that you can buy like the book and interpret it yourself. Uh, yes, she, um, I, I think she did a good job. You know, I feel like she kind of capitalized on it. Um, she did a good job in, in it. The book is uh, Return to Love. And uh, I have to say, it 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 speaks to a lot of people in recovery. And I I I would recommend that book. But A Course in Miracles is it's okay. It's as if okay, Jesus came down. Jesus was kind of disappointed with the way people behaved. Okay, so he comes down comes, walks among us, teaches us that uh, completely opposite of what I would say the evangelicals do. They like, you know, like sitting down with the thieves, the prostitutes, the, you know, washing the feet of the apostles. I mean, just like humble and, 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 and morality in, in its truest sense and, and compassion and, and then these people kill him. I mean, honest to God, you know, really? You're, this person that espews goodness, they kill this person? So I feel like, okay, I came, I tried, and now I'm going to come through in a different way. And that's how I view this piece of work, that it's Christ mind uh attempting to explain things in a different way if we get back to manifestation do you think manifesting or the attempt to manifest stuff is not a good idea no 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 okay okay i see what you're saying okay if i want to manifest love if a loving relationship i think you're safe okay you're safe there if i want to manifest getting some extra money to pay my bills okay that's real that's good manifesting okay but say that i want a red ferrari okay i really really want a red ferrari and I'm going to manifest this Ferrari. So I sit there and I, I meditate and I meditate, but everything's going wrong. Okay. Like the, the, uh, first of all, they can't find a red Ferrari. It's takes too long. I can't get the loan. This is obstacles. Okay. Cause obstacles are another way of communicating that this is not good for you, but by God, I was given free will. So I'm going to get this red Ferrari because I know I can because I have free will. And I do. And I pick it up and I drive it home and I crash and die. Maybe it would have been a good idea had I listened to the obstacles and stopped manifesting. Do you have a one in a million coincidence that you could share with us? Okay. Well, the reason why this one came to mind is that 
like, what are the odds? Okay, so I discover when I was in Italy, I had I got a scholarship to study in Italy. And um, I was, I was um, majoring in art history to lead me into archaeology. And I discovered Buckminster Fuller. Okay, uh, you're familiar with his work? Not the geodesic really. Dome. Okay. I know the geodesic dome. Okay. I think those are great. He, and that's all I knew at the time. That's all I knew. And one of my roommates said to me one night, I mean, we would sit up all night, you know, philosophizing, smoking galois. And he said, uh, if you could be with anybody dead or alive for half an hour, who would it be? I don't know who I said, because it doesn't matter. So I said, well, who would it be for you? And he said, Buckminster Fuller. And I thought, okay, he, I knew he invented the geodesic dome, but that's it. I'm like, why of all of humanity, past and present, and you know, would you pick Buckminster Fuller? So he gets up and he brings this very, very thin little book. It was a 39-page poem called No Secondhand God. And I read this and I'm like, I want to know who has this mind. And I started reading everything I could about Buckminster Fuller, who I consider to be a sort of modern day Leonardo da Vinci, you know, futurist, uh, just a creator. And I just um, read everything I could about him and decided because of discovering him that I was going to go into architecture. A series of events happened. Okay, here, this is my hero now. He's my hero above all others. A series of events where not only did I meet Buckminster Fuller, not only did I correspond with him, but after graduating from architecture school, he asked me to work with him. And that's how I got to Philadelphia. And how do you explain that, that here you have this hero and you end up working with him. And so, so that's to, to just coalesce everything, how it works. Did he remain your hero once you actually met him? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and, um, his death, um, was one of the most romantic, the way he and his wife died was one of the most romantic deaths I've ever been privy to. And that is one of the chapters in my upcoming book. Well, after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask questions. Are you up for that? Of course. What's the best way to reach you? Um, my, um, my website is sophiademas.com, and you can contact me that way. Uh, yeah, that would be uh, certainly the best way. Any comments? I would love to hear if people have reactions, if somehow it sparked something that was experienced by someone. So you're working on another book. Are you working on anything else? No, not right now. It's uh, The book is uh, the... Uh, consciousness Beyond Death is scheduled 
for the spring. And right now I'm, I'm kind of focused on, on that. Mm. So, and I'm very excited about that because uh, there's been a lot of death. Well, consciousness. And, and this is uh, hopefully it brings hope to how, and, and, and I'm convinced of this a hundred percent, but you have to read to know why um, that we, when we, uh, that all, when we die, die, we simply shed our bodies, but we are as lucid as we are with you and I right now. So I think that's a lot of hope because uh, these, these stories, these, these events, these real true stories, there's no way that they could happen without consciousness. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. And uh, this has been so much fun, Jeff. It has. It's been inspiring for me to actually, you know, pay attention to my coincidences more as well as take action. Well, your book, your new book, sounds like something that would be a good fit for my audience as we talk about your death experiences quite often. So we'll have to get you back once you publish it. Thank you. Sophia, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Um, if I could encourage people with one message is to let go and let God do the cooking. Okay, so in other words, to learn to trust. Because why is such happiness... Um, why do I experience such happiness? Why isn't it widespread? Why doesn't everybody feel sublime happiness? What fears keeps them from taking action? So that's one thing is let go, let God do the cooking. Sophia, thank you for your message. And thank you again for being my guest. My pleasure, Jeff. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.